Welcome back to Running the Clock. We are talking NBA today. We have had a lot of action recently in the NBA, including quite the scuffle between the Warriors and the Timberwolves, but overall a lot going on. Griffey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I am very excited to do this episode. It's going to answer a lot of questions, probably not just for me and for a lot of you who are listening as well. Um, We are going to tackle some of the in-season tournament um, formats, teams, projections, stuff like that. So uh, if you're interested in that, go ahead and tune in and listen to this entire episode. Uh, We thank you guys for listening. Follow us on any social media platform at Run in the Clock. We'll be on any platform anywhere. And we're very excited to do this episode. So Tom asked me to jot up some questions to answer him uh, or to answer. Yeah, answered by him, excuse me. Um, and I'm not sure if it's the same way for a lot of you, but for me, I'm still struggling with the format of like understanding the format, who gets in, who's out, where do they move on? I know they go to Las Vegas. I don't really know a whole lot about it. This is a very new thing. It has a lot of people, even some of the players confused. I can't remember. Was it one of the jazz players that said it in their media conference a week or two ago? They they still don't understand it. They're just told where to play and they're ready to go. So um, with that, will you give us a generic format for the in-season tournament so we can all understand it? Yeah, so there's three, so it's group play to start, and these just count as regular season games, but they also count towards the in-season tournament, Uh, and so there's three groups per conference, Uh, there are five teams in each one, they all play each other, and then whoever has the best record moves on, and there's also one wild card from each conference to make it an even eight teams, Uh, so I... I don't fully understand the wild card, to be honest. It's kind of like the NBA just picks a team. It's not really like who was the closest in point differential or whatever. So just maybe whoever just was playing the best or brought in the most views or something like that. Um, But yeah, so there will be eight teams and there will play a quarterfinal, a semifinal and a final in Las Vegas. And that'll be really cool, especially since my family lives in Las Vegas. I'll try to convince them to go to a game while they're while the NBA is there. And it'll be cool. I think that having single elimination games once that uh, quarterfinals starts will be really cool. Because right now, I think the in-season tournament, there's been most teams have played two games in the group play so far. I think it's brought in a little bit more of an edge and a little bit more competitiveness to it just because. You know, you see a new court, you see new jerseys, and then you also have that added element of, hey, every player on this team, every coach gets $500,000 if we win this. So you've seen more competitiveness, and I've liked it overall so far. I think the courts are cool. Some of them not as much, some of them a little too bright, but I think overall it's been really cool. Yeah, I like the concept of it. I'm just still trying to understand it as we've never really seen this in U S professional sports. I know they're kind of comparing it to like the premier league and how soccer has done it in the past and how mm-hmm. it's worked for them. Um, yeah. One thing I was actually reading too, while you were talking. Um, so as you mentioned, the players each will get $500,000. Everyone, a part of the team will get $500,000. If they win, the runners up will get 200,000 a piece. 
losing players of the semifinals will each get a hundred thousand dollars and the quarterfinals will all get 50k so mm-hmm. a lot to pay out there which is actually kind of crazy yeah. when you think about how many players and individuals are a part of each team for them to just be dealing out that money is crazy but yeah and i just read about the wild card so it's the team with the best record and if there's a tie it's the team with the best point differential from Mm -hmm. each conference that'll be the two wild cards yeah that's very interesting actually so Mm -hmm. i know we're two games in and i don't know how many do they play before uh so there's we break off I'd imagine it's four since this is happening pretty quick. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe the finals are just after Thanksgiving. Oh, interesting. Okay. Cause I wasn't really sure I, in my head, I had imagined four, but I didn't really understand it. Like I I've mentioned before. So I was just trying to get an yeah, understanding five teams in each group. So four games, they each play each other once each play each other once. Very cool. Okay. So with that two games in, I know there are some 2-0 teams. There are some teams on the brink of making it to Vegas. Yep. Who are your favorites out of each one of these divisions? Mm. Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of 2-0 teams. So my mind kind of goes to teams where the cash bonus might make the most sense. Like who isn't getting those huge contracts? That's like, yeah, 500000 Give me that, please. So the first team that comes to mind, these are not going to be like the top dogs necessarily. It's just kind of who mm-hmm. I think is going to be the most competitive here. The mm-hmm. first one, I have the Timberwolves. While they do have some big contracts on there, they also have some younger guys not making as much money. And they're kind of one of those young teams like the Kings last year who are just trying to prove themselves in any way they can. They're 2-0. They beat the Warriors. Um, so they're one of the favorites. Uh, obviously the Nuggets because they won the championship last year. It seems like the Lakers are taking it seriously. I think LeBron would love to add to his legacy winning the first in-season tournament. And then in the East, I think it's just the usual suspects, the Celtics and the Bucks, uh, Sixers. But I'll throw in the Pacers as well. They have the best offense in the NBA right now, and Tyrese Halliburton's playing amazing. So I think they're definitely a team to watch out for. Yeah, I mean, everything I've seen on the – like is pointing directly to the Pacers, which is kind of crazy because yep. I didn't I don't really picture them as an absolutely dominant team. Like they have great players, they've got a good system that knows basketball, but they're playing lights out right now. And it seems like every time they need a clutch bucket, Tyrese is contributing, finding an open guy, making it himself, doing whatever he can to make it happen. Uh, which yep. is huge, especially for a team who's grinding to you know make wins make the playoffs make the end season possibly snap off and win that thing mm-hmm. um since you brought up the game we have to talk about it yeah timberwolves warriors who won who won that fight so the timberwolves are 2-0 against the warriors this year including that game last night um it was I mean, we'll just start talking about the fight. It was still 0-0 when the fight started. and uh, we <laughs> Before a got, point was scored. Yeah, we got the suspension a couple, like literally like 15 minutes ago. Woj tweeted out that the suspension for Dream on Green for grabbing Rudy Gobert around the neck and dragging him across the court. Five-game suspension. It, it easily could have been more, but I think five's fair. I don't think you want to suspend him like 10 games for that. That'd be a little excessive. So I think five's a good spot for that. Teach him as a lesson. 
make his pockets hurt a little bit, although NBA players make so much, it probably doesn't make that much of a difference. But still, any non-paychecks that are not being sent to you, that hurts. So I think it's a good suspension. But yeah, so it started with Clay Thompson grabbing uh, Jaden McDaniels. Maybe Jaden said something that made him grab him. And then those two were fighting down the court. And then Gobert came over and pulled was pulling uh, Clay off of Jaden McDaniels and uh, Draymond got Gobert in a headlock and literally dragged him across the court. So that's not the craziest thing I've seen on a basketball court, but up there for sure. Yeah, it was definitely up there for me, especially because first glance looking at the video. I mean, yeah, Rudy probably should have been pulling on his guy trying to get him out of there. Yeah, but at the same time, he wasn't causing any beef. He wasn't trying to you know, no. go in on some people and join in on the action. He was just trying to split it up and get guys out of there. And all of a sudden he's in a freaking rear naked choke walking down the court. So it was kind of crazy to watch that. But yeah, was there any, they haven't come out with a suspension on McDaniels or clay, right? I don't think there will be one. No, they got a joke okay. from the game. That's enough for those two. I think. I wondered about McDaniels though. He was kind of the one who instigated it on clay. Um, yeah. Now if words were exchanged, that might've changed my opinion on it, but it seemed like he kind of instigated it. But then you you see Draymond flying out of nowhere, trying to protect his guys, quote unquote. But yeah, regardless of that, aren't the Warriors one and one or are they 0 and two in the end season? In the end season tournament, they are, one and one they have an they even one one. point differential which is kind of funny so the the game they lost was last night then mm-hmm. okay in my mind they had lost both play-in games so i was trying to figure out what was going on with them uh obviously mm-hmm. steph is shooting lights out and he's playing amazing at 35 but i haven't really heard much from clay or i mean draymond's a defensive player so you don't really hear much from him yeah. But like Wiggins and some of those guys on that team, I don't really hear much about them. Are they, do they look as dominant even with staff playing? No, that's exactly the problem. Clay can't find his shot and he's not athletic, athletic enough to play defense anymore at this point in his career. So if his shot's not going in, he's really killing the team. And then with Wiggins, remember in the playoffs, the reason they won that finals is Wiggins was a beast on the board. So was Looney. Mm-hmm. They were grabbing every rebound and, Wiggins is averaging like 3.8 rebounds per game this year, and he's only scoring like 11 points per game, not hitting any threes. So it's super weird Wiggins year. And honestly, I don't think the Warriors are going to do anything this year unless they can get that back from Wiggins, or maybe they could swing like Clay Thompson and some picks for Zach Levine, who it looks like could be on the move from the Bulls. But as of right now, I think the Warriors are – way too reliant on Steph Curry and we saw that last night no Steph Curry for that game and they almost didn't have a chance other than that rookie Brandon Podjemski went off and had 23 or 26 points but he kept a minute and the Warriors were in it till the end but yeah they just they're not getting it enough from Wiggins or Looney and I expected more out of Jonathan Kaminga too he's a young guy I thought could take a leap and just hasn't so seeing some issues there with the Warriors that are definitely concerning. Not enough to write them off, obviously, but something to watch out for. Yeah, they're a very interesting thing. It's a team to watch, especially because I know watching Kevon Looney, he 
he's my definition of a glass cleaner. Him and guys like Clint Capella and Mitchell Robinson, they just get boards. And yeah, I mean, he yeah. was he had a few good games at the start of the year. We had like 13, 14, 11, and then it was like 7, 8, 9, 7. Like it, it just hasn't been up to par from what he's usually at. Uh, Kamingo is absolutely astonishing, especially because of the preseason that he had. He was yeah. lighting up shots and he was lacing 30 footers. And it was really, really shocking to see that kind of not translate in season. But yeah. hopefully he turns it around. It's very early into the year. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, this team gets hot, especially at the end or the middle of the season, yeah. start tacking along some games and make their way to the playoffs. But I agree. I, from what it seems outside looking in, they're way too reliant off Steph Curry. And yes, you can rely on that because he's one of the most lights, the best shooter, uh, best three point shooter the NBA has ever seen. Yeah. And that's not a debate. It's just to win a championship, you have to have more. And you can't just be strictly relying off that, which makes me worry about them. Yeah. What what are your thoughts on the T Wolves being two and all? Really quick before we move on, I just want to mention Kaminga is shooting 39% from the field and 17% from three this year. Just abysmal. Ooh. But on to the Timberwolves. I really love them as a regular season team. I said this in our preview podcast that they easily could be a 50-win team because I thought they would have been last year, but Cat got hurt. He missed about two, two and a half months. So he missed about 25 to 30 games. And then you had Gobert dealing with knee issues all year. And they're fully healthy this year. And you got two of, frankly, the best defenders in the NBA, probably two of the five best defenders in the NBA and Rudy Gobert and Jaden McDaniels. Uh, You've got Anthony Edwards, who at the end of games can absolutely be a lockdown defender. Uh, Cat and Gobert clean the glass. Having two seven-footers on the court is huge in that aspect. And Mike Conley, he's that perfect connector piece. You know, he'll dribble the ball down the court, but he's not going to pull up and shoot a heat check. He's going to get everyone involved. And then you'll hit some clutch threes if you ask to. Like last night, essentially hit the game-winning three while up one with about 18 seconds left. He drilled a corner three. So, and then you have that closer and ant, you know, a guy who can get the ball in the perimeter, go isolation and score, or kick it out. He's honestly improved a ton in passing, which is the most important thing this year because the scoring was always there. It was just, can he be consistent and can he develop his passing game? And he has, so... I like the Timberwolves a lot as a regular season team. I still have the same questions that you kind of had with the Jazz in the playoffs. Like if a team isolates Gobert, gets him out on the perimeter and makes him play perimeter defense, and then Cats your secondary rim protector, what happens then? So I, I don't know if they're a contender for a championship, but they could usually make a second round or possibly even a conference finals push. We'll just have to see where things fall and who's healthy, but I do like them just not as a title contender. Yeah. It's interesting because even when he was on the jazz, I was a huge Mike Conley guy just for the veteran presence and being able to teach young guards, which um, Minnesota has how to, you know, develop the game and get open looks, get good looks here, bad looks here. Don't force things kind of gets the nervous jitters out of the way for the young guys. So 
I think that's huge with dealing with a team like this. I consider Rudy and Cat borderline veterans at this point. They played a few years. They've got a few under their belt. They know how things work. But Ant, what is this, his third year in the league? I believe so, yeah. I believe it's third. And so it's like you're you're still developing. And I I still don't think we've seen peak Anthony Edwards yet, which is so no. fun and so we exciting. are seeing no fourth year, sorry. And fourth he, year. We we are seeing peak athleticism. Yes. Like he'll never be more athletic than he is this year, but his shot and all that stuff will continue to develop. So peak athleticism, mm-hmm. but not peak ant. Yeah, exactly. So I'm very excited to see how this team turns out. Uh some of the teams actually are kind of shocking to me looking at their percentages of making the in-season tournament in Vegas. Mm. Like, for example, the Jazz uh, pool, they've got Lakers, Jazz, Suns, Blazers, Grizzlies. Jazz are number two just behind the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, so they could be considered for that wild card spot out of the West. They are um, one win away from pretty much being a lock to make it, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Which is huge. We finally have let Keontae kind of take the ball, uh, which I think has been really great because he even went a game scoreless with yeah, a he's, he's been great as a starter and plus assists. So I think that's huge in development. Hopefully, there's a little room for scoring to develop and come with time and development and practice. But I'm really liking this Jazz team so far, and it just seems like even if it is an incentive to get teams to play the teams that aren't doing as well teams like the Pacers and the jazz who have a lot of young core and they have, I guess you could say a lot of room to develop, but they have the players to do. So you're seeing them play harder. And yeah. I think it's actually doing great things for the game. Cause everyone's used to the regular season where it's just, seems like they're going through the motions and do they really want to be there you can tell who really does who doesn't the incentive really it might not be a lot to them but it's helping them play harder like the pacers i don't think we'd see them at this level without that incentive and yeah they're a good team like i had mentioned but you just see the grit and the fight and the desire where you don't really see that see that until the postseason so i I'm actually really excited uh, to watch more of this and see how it develops. I think some of the courts do need some work. Uh, I love the jazz though. Theirs was awesome. Looks really Uh, good. I haven't really seen too many that I dislike, which is good. I just think the format's super interesting and I like it. Yeah. I think here's my hot take. I think the best highlights of the entire regular season are going to come out of this. Wow. I think we're going to see like a game winner and a single game elimination. Like once they get to Las Vegas, that'll just be replayed all the way through the finals and we'll see some crazy dunks and stuff. And, you know, Vegas is going to make it crazy. They're going to make that experience awesome. And I'm sure they'll ship those courts out there. So you'll have those bright courts with all the that's underneath all the replays. So, yeah, I think we're going to see some crazy dunks and some crazy play down the stretch that leads to a win in a single elimination game. And I think the NBA is really going to highlight that stuff and use those highlights everywhere because they want this in-season tournament to be a success and they want people to care about it. 
Well, not only does the in-season tournament making make it more exciting, it makes people want to watch it more, including just regular season games, because the way they're kind of incorporating it, you don't know if it's going to be an in-season tournament game or a regular season game unless you're sitting there looking for it. Yeah, which they're they're starting to do a better job. Like I think it's Tuesdays and Fridays are in season tournament game days, so all the games played on those days will be in season tournament. But yeah, unless you knew that, then the way you know is to you tune in and hey, that game's got a funny colored court. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my outtake on it or outlook on it was, it seemed like it was almost on the weekends. I didn't even know it was Tuesday. So like I said, we're yeah. all learning a little bit here. Uh, I, I knew Fridays were for sure. I thought Saturdays or Sundays were considered the second game, but that's the thing is it you're just watching middle of the week. You're going to get some good basketball where if it was yeah. just the regular season, it's just another game and go through the motions, see if we can win. There's not really that fight like you have when you develop like the, the in-season tournament like this, which I think is a cool idea. And we'll see how it turns out. I think I think it really will do well for professional basketball in the NBA. I think it just needs a little more time to develop. It was kind of like kind of like when they first came out with the COVID bubble thing and not a lot of people watched at first and then postseason came around and we saw some of the best games we've seen in recent years. Uh, in yeah. that so regardless of if real actual physical fans were there or virtual fans they were some really good games including some shootouts between the jazz and denver which we didn't come out on top of but still fun to watch and still exciting so i'm actually really excited for it um do you have any more to add about the in-season tournament before we close out no, I just wanted to talk about the Jazz a little bit since we both love them. I love that they finally mm-hmm. started starting Keontae George. That's something you and I wanted since literally we saw him in Summer League and saw how mm-hmm. good he was going to be. And then on top of that, Lowry Markinen still absolutely awesome. I think he's going to easily be an all-star. Hopefully, if we win enough games, he'll push for an all-NBA spot. So I like a lot of what we're seeing out of the Jazz, other than our guards outside of Keontae kind of annoyed with how many turnovers and selfish shots there are but hopefully we just get the ball to marking in let Keontae run things a little bit and then love what we're seeing from all of our bigs uh kelly olenic john collins larry marking and all those guys are playing awesome yeah well that was a frustrating thing for me was sitting there and nothing wrong with the guy i still respect the player and still think he's going to help this team but like THT and Chris Dunn taking the ball down the court. It was so frustrating to watch the first couple of games because it felt like there were so many turnovers. And even coming off the bench last night against Portland, they combined for three in. Chris Dunn was in for one minute, had a turnover. Yeah. Uh, They were a combined 22 minutes with three turnovers. Granted, Kelly O had some turnovers, uh, Keontae did have two, but he also had seven assists, 15 points. Uh, he dropped third or Jordan Clarkson dropped 30. Mr. Reliable. Uh, Laurie Markinen had 21, nine boards. A lot of those defensive, eight of those were actually defensive. I think we're playing really good basketball, team basketball right now, which is what I like to see. And granted, I don't love our record at the moment. I think we have more to show than what our record displays, but 
aside from that, we're playing good basketball and it makes me excited about the young core we have, especially with Ochai and Laurie and Keontae, Kelly O. Kelly O's older, but yeah, John Collins, I still think is young. Isn't he only 30? Did we determine that? John Collins, oh, he's 26. No. Yeah, he's he's a lot younger than that. 26, yeah. yeah. Which is just crazy. I I just assume because he's been in there. Yeah, it feels like he's been on the Hawks It feels like he's been there. Yeah, he's but young. We're playing good ball right now. I really like the demand and the, I guess, passion out of Keontae. You can tell he's trying to make a name for himself. He's the young guy in, but he's trying to make his yeah, way on a team that's got some... He's been our best passer. Yeah, it's got some crowding in the guard position, but I mean, even Sexton had 13 points, so he's trying to make a name for himself, trying to make his way in. Finally did, and he's making things happen, which I felt like we saw the second we saw him in Summer League, which was huge because we knew the type of player that we were going to get out of him, especially yeah. with three three different first-round picks. We have yet to see Taylor Hendricks or Bryce Sensabaugh. I think they're going to be pretty heavily rotated in this rotation might be both off the bench unless Ochai or I, unless they want to run, run big and have three big men, small forward, power forward centers in there. But right now they're running with Jordan Clarkson, Ochai and Keontae three guards, Larry and John Collins. So could be interesting to see what they do. But yeah, so the Jazz are playing great. In-season tournament is fun. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode. If you liked it, go ahead and let us know in the comments. Give us some feedback. We'll be posting some clips there on our TikTok, some of our social media platforms. But regardless, we thank you guys for listening. And we will see you guys on Monday for our NFL pod. See ya.